Today, we are blessed to have a special guest with us. She recently was one of the co-stars, leading actresses in a movie that hit our theaters and has made many, many waves. We're going to dim the lights and watch that trailer. Thank you. Abby Johnson is in the other room. Here. Our first order of business is to present Planned Parenthood's Employee of the Year Award. Abby Johnson. This is Abby. She's our newest volunteer escort. Abby, this is Cheryl Alessandro. I'd be the youngest director in Planned Parenthood history. You'll actually be in charge of the abortions at your clinic? I have a chance to make a real difference. No matter what you do for the rest of your life, you're still gonna be a baby killer. The only thing that's changed is you, Abby. Can you even hear yourself talk right now about these procedures? These are little babies. I'm not going to apologize for doing a job that helps women in crisis. There's still a part of me that isn't sure. I know. But the one thing that all experts agree on is that at this stage, the fetus can't feel anything. Sorry to bother you, but they need an extra person in the back room. Are you free? these hundreds of children. And Lord, we pray to end abortion. I really appreciate what you've done for us. I'll not forget it. 22,000 abortions. How do I even comprehend that? Rough day at the office. You can say that. your dad and me. You are our baby from the moment of conception. We are paying you to be a perfect instrument of corporate policy. We are an abortion provider. I can't be a part of this anymore. Everything that they told us is a lie. Don't underestimate the repercussions of this. You gotta be careful. Rhonda, please don't do this! Rhonda! Let me tell you what's gonna happen if you walk through that door. Congratulations, you've made an enemy of one of the most powerful organizations on the planet. Awesome. People are scared to clap. <laughs> I know, my character's intense. Our guest, Robia Scott, started her career in Hollywood at the age of 16. She started by dancing in uh, music videos and after performing in over 30 music videos, the doors of opportunity burst open and she was asked to tour the world with Prince and they toured in, uh, uh, for the album Diamonds and Pearls and Robia featured as Pearl in that whole tour. They, they danced and sang before crowds of over 60,000 people at, uh, at one given time. And then after that, she went on to appear in over 50 different commercials around the country. She, the doors continued to open for her, and soon she was appearing on shows like CSI, Beverly Hills, 90210, 
And one of her more prominent roles was in the, the series Buffy and the Vampire Slayer. We have a guest who has definitely climbed the ladder of success and would be known as a famous actress in the secular world. She was full of success and yet empty at the same time, struggling and obsessed, empty, searching for truth. Her life was filled with counterfeit comforts until she came to the reality of Jesus Christ. And now, as a minister of the gospel, she helps to set captives free from those false prisons of comfort and brings them to Jesus Christ. Welcome with me, Robia Scott. Yay! Great to have you. God bless you. Awesome. I am so glad that you were able to be with us today. Now, we showed the opening clip, the trailer for the movie Unplanned, and uh, my goodness, what an impact that movie has been having. Could you give the audience a small synopsis of what this movie was about? Unplanned is based on a true story. And uh, it's of a woman named Abby Johnson, and she wrote a best-selling book called Unplanned. She was recruited as a young girl from her college campus by Planned Parenthood. They had one of those employment days, and they had a booth on campus. And even though she came from a Christian pro-life home, she bought into their rhetoric of women's rights, women's empowerment. So she goes to the clinic to, uh, to intern. I play the boss, the head of Planned Parenthood, while she... Gets, you know, she rises up the ranks under her mentor, me, and uh, she winds up being the youngest clinic director in history, in the history of the corporation. And for the eight years she runs the clinic, she oversees approximately 22,000 abortions. Wow. Until one day she's in the procedure room, God lifts the veil from her eyes, she gets a revelation of what she's really doing, and she has a radical turnaround. She leaves the industry, and now she is a, an incredible pro life advocate. And she helps abortion workers get out of the industry. So it's a true story. It's an emotional, hopeful, restorative, uh, impactful film. Now, you mentioned the character that you played. And and I was telling you earlier, I've noticed that they almost never use her last name. Her name is Cheryl uh, D'Alessandro. That's correct. And that's the lady you played. She was the director of the local clinic over Abby Johnson. Yes. And then she moved on to uh, headquarters. Uh, Tell me a bit about the character that you played. Well, Cheryl is intense. You could tell just by the trailer. But in the movie, uh, I am the embodiment of what Planned Parenthood stands for as a corporation in a person. Um... The reviewers have likened my performance to Cruella DeVille. Yes. Everyone who sees the movie uh, loves to run up to me and tell me how much they hated me. And I let them know that they're not the first and they won't be the last. Uh, And people are very surprised to find out not only am I a believer, but I actually retired from acting about 15 years ago when God called me into ministry. I had no intention of ever going back to acting, um, but God had a different plan. Well, we have a picture of you as Cheryl D'Alessandro, and uh, this is, there you go. Doesn't she just look charming? (laughs) Very inviting. You don't see a lot of anointing or the love of the Lord in that shot. (laughs) And this next picture tells it all. Uh Uh-oh. 
You look like you're ready to pull her arm off and hit her over the head with it. That is an intense scene in the film. It is a very intense scene. You know, uh, this is a little bit of an unknown fact, a little bit of trivia for everyone here. My last name is Scarallo, but my father's mother's maiden name is D'Alessandra. Really? Yes, so when I was watching that movie, I was doing the sign of the cross and saying, <laughs> Father, forgive us. Uh, so, how did you first, um, this movie, how, how did you first get involved with this movie? What happened? It is really a God story. I mean, that just makes no sense that I met these writer-directors. There are hundreds of thousands of actresses in Los Angeles, and I'm not even an actress anymore. Um, but I wound up meeting a, a woman who knew the directors, who, by the way, the directors also wrote the hit film God's Not Dead. Do you remember that film? Mm -hmm. Yeah, an incredible film. Mm. So she wanted me to meet them, and, and they wanted to meet me. We had a coffee, and uh, they told me about the script, and I was intrigued about the story. Right. And then they uh, gave me a little bit of material about my character, and honestly, I was quite hesitant when I read this character. Um, but they asked me to come in and audition, and yeah. I did, and I just felt in my spirit that God said that this was a, for such a time as this film, yeah. and he had prepared me for such a time as this to come back to Hollywood to do this role. You know, I, I believe this movie has an, a, a prophetic anointing because it's speaking the word of the Lord to this generation. And if you haven't seen this movie, I really urge you uh, to see the movie. Get a hold of the DVD. Its message is powerful. It is impactful. And uh, what I love about the movie is that it's done with grace it's not done with a harshness or a legalistic uh, approach. It's done to bring truth and to bring healing for people who have uh, had the experience of going through an abortion. Now, I believe that the movie was uh, basically a $6 million project. How did it turn out at the box office. The movie did incredibly well. They thought we would stay in the theater for just a few weeks and make a few million dollars, and we wound up having an 11-week run and making almost $19 million. Awesome. <laughs> Praise God for that. And the film now just released internationally, so please keep us in prayer. We're going to be in Australia, New Yay. Zealand. We were just in Canada, which, you know, there, there are many countries Now, that's that big because Canada was from the government. They were really resistant the movie. There was a ton of resistance, uh, but long story short, it was really one theater owner, actually a man of God who owned a few theaters, and he was so upset that the, the country was blocking distribution, and the Lord spoke to him and said, why don't you distribute it? So we had it in his theater, and once he did, doors opened, wow. and we had a, a successful run there. So I just, I believe God's doing a That's whole awesome. second wave with this film. Thank, yeah, praise God. Thank God for for Christians who are willing to be Davids and stand up in the face of a giant and not be intimidated. Good for him. Absolutely. That is awesome. Now, um, <clears throat> I mentioned earlier that you got started in your career at the age of 16 and it started with dancing. What got you interested in dancing? So it was a movie, actually, that changed my life. I was a little girl who danced around the house, like many little girls do, until I saw the movie Flashdance. Do you remember that one? Yes. So then I realized when I saw Flashdance, oh my goodness, I could actually do this for a living. So I'm not kidding. I, I can't believe my parents allowed me to do this, but the next week I went out and got a big old huge perm. <laughs> it was the 80s, so I could look like Jennifer Beals, thank you. 
And um, I started dance classes and working professionally at the age of 16. And your first uh, music video that you danced in? Was My with? very first professional job was Debbie Gibson, Shake Your Love. You remember that, oldie but goodie? <laughs> well, for all of you who just said, oh, we have a short clip so that you can see. <laughs> Let's roll to that clip. Oh, Thank you, gosh. guys. <laughs> And you can see me with the 80s, big perm. The, you know, the ripped up jeans, the whole eight, the shoulder pads. Gotta love the 80s. Look at the hair, oh my gosh. So that was you in the white t-shirt? That was me in the white t-shirt with the suspenders and yeah. the big hair. Now, uh, <laughs> soon after that, that actually opened the doors and this is where you had the opportunity to meet the artist, Prince, and then go on a world tour. Tell us a little bit about that. That was supposed to be just for one music video. Uh, Prince was looking for a set of identical twins and he couldn't find any that he liked. And so he saw me audition and there was another girl who just happened to look like me. Right. So we wound up getting hired to be the dancers to bookend him. And it wasn't until the first rehearsal that he saw what a chemistry we had that he got the idea. I will actually name these gals after the album Diamonds and Pearls. And then we did all the videos for the album. We're on the album cover and we toured all over um, Europe. So, I mean, from a secular perspective, I mean, that was an amazing opportunity. Yes. And, and we highlight these things not to give glory to another source, but to acknowledge, A, there's a great level of accomplishment and exposure, and our guest is quite well known in the secular arena, and God reached down and got hold of her life. But before we go there, I want to talk a little bit more about this. We actually have uh, a clip of you touring with Prince, all right? So you're going to see two young ladies, similar in appearance. I actually had to go over the clip several times to work out to which one out was which you. One was yes, me. I did. So see if you can pick Robia. Thank you. So did you pick her? She was the young lady in the white dress. That's right. I did get that right, didn't I? Yes, I? you did. <laughs> I should have checked with you before. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you also got involved in doing commercials before your bigger TV breaks came. You were in a lot of commercials. I saw commercials that weren't even in English. Yes. I saw commercials that you performed for the... Uh, audience in the United Kingdom. Uh, I think it was a German uh, commercial I saw where you were advertising a coffee machine, a particular That's coffee correct. machine. I've been doing my research. You really have. I've been snooping <laughs> around. Well, we have a video clip, and Robia has no idea what we're about to show you, but we're going to show you a video clip of a commercial she did here in the United States. 
The Mitsubishi Eclipse Spider GST. Vorrei del pane tostato. Vorrei del pane tostato. The perfect way to express yourself in any language. Dove sono le valigie? Dove sono le valigie? Hey, buon gusto, sei bella e parli italiano. Buon toast, vorrei una fetta de valigie. Ciao. The Eclipse Spider and Coop. Mirage 3000 GT. <laughs> And I'm Italian in real life. And you're Italian. It was hard to and pretend. And you botched I, it. I know. <laughs> but that was part of the end. Yeah. I thought it was really, really cute, so I couldn't help but uh, show everyone so that they could get an appreciation of your BC days and where you had uh, been taken and the heights that you had come to. But having said that, uh, Robia... Uh, appeared in, in uh, weekly shows like CSI, mm -hmm. correct? And uh, again in Beverly Hills, 9021. Oh. I was waiting for you. <laughs> oh. The original. And, and, uh, but the, the role that you got probably more notoriety for, that you became more known for, was as Jenny Callender in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's correct. Yeah, tell us a, a little bit about that character. Well, uh, you know, I didn't even know too much about the character when I got onto the show. She turned out to be a little bit of a bad gal by the right. end, which I was not super happy about. Um, but it was a, a well-written show. Uh, I was happy to be on it, but during that show, I wound up becoming a Christian. Right. So there was there started to be some conflict in my heart and spirit being on a show that was, while it was well-written, there was a lot of occult themes, obviously, and I just uh, I felt a conflict. And the first two years of your appearance on the show, you were really a non-Christian then. That's right. Pretty much into New Age stuff, and uh, you had just come to Christ uh, after you had signed a contract for a third season, is that right? Yes, yeah, so I had to do a couple episodes yeah. in the third season that were questionable that I wish I didn't have to do. Right, but, but we have a montage of you as uh, Jenny Callender. We're going to do a quick shot over so that everyone can see your acting skills. Thank you. Well, look who's here. Miss Callender. Mr. Giles. Well, uh, uh, um... Morning, kids. Morning, England. Buffy, are you supposed to be somewhere? No, I have a free. Cool. Now, in, in this series, you uh, had a little bit of a romantic uh, role with Rupert Giles. That's correct. And he was one of the teachers. You were a computer teacher. Yes. Is that correct? Yep. You were teaching computer science and stuff like that, and he was more of a nerdy guy. Yes. Right. Well, I came across a clip because I never watched this stuff, okay? Here's this guy. I just, I don't watch a lot of TV, never saw these shows, so I've had to do a ton of research. I told you, I have been stalking you online, <laughs> all right? But we have a, what I thought was a, a cute clip, and uh, we're going to roll this. See if you remember this. Every time a pretty girl walks by... Every boy turns into a gibbering fool. Miss Callender. Mr. Giles. Well, uh, uh, um... <laughs> Hello? See the way these kids gaze at each other? Oh, Minnie. It's good to see you. Yes. Think they're thinking about learning? Uh, were you headed to the uh, factory? Sounds like fun.
Now, um, I, I read as I was doing my research that a lot of fans really took it to heart that they killed off your character before this romance ever got to blossom and go somewhere serious. Yes. Uh, and a lot of fans took to the internet and started putting uh, pieces of uh, you know, video series together and making their own little montages all over the internet. Um, were you aware of that? Well, this was my, I was on the first two seasons the most and a little bit in the third and it was right when the show was starting to catch on and uh, it, was, it was going big. Right. And so for them to kill off my character when they did as a surprise really just shocked everyone and it set the foundation for the show that they didn't know what could happen. But for me on the other side as an actress, you know, I was really feeling conflicted. They talked about maybe making my character into a vampire. I said, no, I'm not going to do that. And then when they killed me off the show, you know, most actresses are not happy to be killed off of a show, but once I knew I was killed off, I, I was like, thank you, God. So I knew that God was, uh, you know, even though I enjoyed my time there, he was, he was transitioning right. me. And, and that leads me to really what this is all about. In a secular sense, we look to, you know, people in the world, and even sometimes we are blinded by what success is and how success is defined in the world. And from a worldly perspective, you were up there. You had it. You were making it. You were shaking it. You were doing great. And yet, today, here you are as a born-again Christian. What was wrong? What was missing in your life? What led you on a search that brought you to Jesus? The image I was portraying on screen was different than what was going on internally. I mean, I really did look like I had it all together. Uh, and, and I was living the dream. In my 20s, you know, I had achieved what actresses and people are striving their whole life for, and sure. I had already gotten there. But what was going on with me on the inside was very different than how it looked on the outside. I was um, tormented mentally and uh, anxious, fearful. I was a chain smoker and really wrestling with that, with with that addiction. Um, but the thing that was the, the biggest bondage in my life was my relationship with food and body image. And although you wouldn't know that by looking at me because I've always been fit, it was what was going on in the inside. Sure. You know, I was tormented and always thinking about what I would eat and what I wouldn't eat and I was not eating and then I was binging and purging and just completely uh, just uh, in, a, in, in bondage to this. And, and it's a shame because in the society that we live in, such an emphasis is put on image, from facial appearance to bodily appearance, especially for women. I mean, us guys, we could walk around with 30, 40 pounds overweight, and we think that we'll just attract the prettiest young thing out <laughs> there, you know? Guys are a little bit like that, but there is a huge spotlight, an unfair spotlight on you women. And uh, like you said, we would never know it. You're looking so successful, and yet you were struggling on the inside. So how, how did this happen? How did you come to Christ? So that made me start looking for answers and looking for God. And, you know, I was in Southern California at the time. And when you start looking for God in Southern California, you usually don't bump right into Jesus first. Usually there's a little bit more spiritual type things. So I started doing some spiritual type things, but I was still smoking and eating and I wasn't, you know, getting any, any freer. Right. Uh, one of the things I was doing was reading a lot of self-help books. 
um, but they weren't helping. And I realized later in retrospect that self-help is somewhat of an oxymoron because it's yourself that's the problem. And in self-help, you're looking to yourself <laughs> that caused the problem to get you out of the problem. And if myself knew what the heck it was doing, I wouldn't be in the mess in the first place. Absolutely. <laughs> so I realized, right? So I realized I needed something higher than myself. You know, God's yeah. ways are higher. And I even came across an incredible quote by Einstein. And he says, no problem can be solved by the same level of consciousness that created it. So I was open to God. I, I, I started seeking him, but, you know, honestly, I wasn't sure about being a born-again Christian because I had an idea of what being born-again meant. You know, I thought I'd have to be a missionary, and I'd have to sleep on dirt in foreign lands, and I couldn't wear cute shoes, and, you know, was God going to make my personality vanilla and take away all my fun? That's honestly what I thought. But, you know, I had a sincere heart, and the Bible is, is so true, and God's word is so true. It says if you seek with a sincere heart, God will reveal himself. So I said, God, you know I believe in you, but I'm not sure about being born again. You know, give me a sign about Jesus. Start talking to me. And, uh, you know, the Bible also says that he speaks in obscure ways and various ways. And long story short, I was reading an article on Michelangelo one day, and it says that when Michelangelo went to sculpt, he would stand in front of a huge piece of marble, and he wouldn't try to create a statue, it said in the article that he would see the finished masterpiece inside the marble, and all he would do was chip away at the excess that was keeping it from being what it already was. Wow. And when I, I like read that. that, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me, and he said, that's who I am. I'm not going to take away your fun. I don't want to take away your personality. Wow. But if you allow me, if you'll let me in, I will chip away at the excess, the bondages, the addiction, the torment, the fear that's keeping you from being the masterpiece that I created you to be. You know, that is awesome. That is awesome. But doesn't that reveal something about the nature and the character of God? Here you are. You're not a Christian yet. You're doing all of your stuff, and God is reading your mail and talking to you right on the level that you're concerned. Exactly. Right on the level where, you know, you have an issue. And I love that about God. For those of you that are here today and those of you that are watching via live stream, nobody will ever understand you like God. No one will ever care about your personal needs like God. When the Bible says God so loved the world, he loves you and he completely gets you. Listen, the reason why I'm so passionate about the things of God is because still to this day, nobody gets me like he gets me. And he's the one person that I can be me with. And he doesn't poke fun at me. He doesn't point out all of my mistakes. He understands me and believe it or not, uses me despite everything else. He might poke a little fun at you. A little bit? A little bit. Only when he's <laughs> speaking through you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but isn't that cool that he, he's reading your mail yeah. and he knows you? Yes. You, you're running from him and he's talking to you like you're already his best friend. He I was love that. wooing me and pursuing me. Yeah. And so a couple of different other events happened and I said, okay, let me start going to church. Let me start looking at the Bible because, you know, I was reading every self-help book ever known. And the Lord said, you know, I wrote a book. <laughs> might want to check that one out, might actually give you some answers. 
So I started reading the Bible, started going to church, was in a real powerful, spirit-filled church, and uh, right away just, uh, you know, started to pray and, and uh, ask the Lord, you know, okay, let's deal with this issue with food because I feel completely in bondage. I said, what's going on with food? And the Spirit of the Lord started to speak to me. Mm -hmm. I didn't hear an audible voice, but I had a thought. I had an impression, and I just knew it was God. So I said, God, what's up with this food problem? And the Lord said, food's not your problem. You're using food as a counterfeit comfort. And I'd never heard that phrase before, never heard anyone mention that. Right. And so right away, the Lord confirmed what he was speaking by taking me to the word, because that's what he'll do. And he showed me that the Holy Spirit is called the comforter. Mm. So the Lord said, this is the authentic comforter, but you're going to a counterfeit comforter. See, food's not your problem. Food is just a fruit of an unhealthy root. Wow. Food is a Food symptom. is a fruit of an unhealthy root. Yes. I like that. So he said, food's not your problem. And that's why when you try to fix it on the, the fruit level, you try to diet or do things, it's not going to really heal you because we need to go into the roots. We need to why deal with I the reason am. why you're eating. Yeah. You know, so he said, let's deal with the abandonment. Let's deal with the divorce. Let's deal with the emotional issues. Mm -hmm. um, and so as he started to do that, he took me through a process of transferring my dependence from the counterfeit under the true comforter. Right. And then the food issue just went away. And, and you know, this really leads into an aspect of Christianity and being born again that doesn't come up often enough. God's not just looking to get you a ticket so that you can pass hell and go to heaven. God wants to get involved in your life and start healing the brokenness. And if people could only understand that, you know, yes, my name is written in the book of life. Yes, I am washed in the blood. My sins are forgiven, and I'm on my way to heaven. But in the meantime, God is working in me. God is working in you. God is working in you and wants to keep working in you to heal the things that are jaded, to heal the things that are broken, to fix the things that got messed up. And I love the fact that this is all about a journey. It's all about a relationship. It's all about a dad who can patiently sit us on his lap while we're fumbling and bumbling. And little by little, as we allow him to, he starts popping the answers into our heart. Yes. And he sets us free. Because the Lord was showing me that uh, very often in home, uh, in school, we're not really taught how to process our no. feelings. And he started to speak to me, and, yeah. he, and he told me, the feelings you're not dealing with are dealing with you. Right. So we think we're not dealing with feelings, and society teaches us to avoid feelings, and we might smoke them down or, you know, shop them off or eat them down, but if, if you're not dealing with them, they'll drive us into these behaviors. Sure. So as he took me through this process of healing, uh, he... he taught me how to transfer the dependence. And now that's a, a core of what I do in ministry is, is helping that's people awesome. get free because counterfeit comforts are universal. Yeah. That's what I found Absolutely. as I've traveled and spoken all over Absolutely. the world. You know, mine was food, but it can be all sorts of things and not necessarily bad things. You know, food is a gift from God. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. But when we're using it for the wrong reason, it becomes a bondage. And God's not mad at us yeah. for being in bondage. He just wants to see us free. You know, most of us are like the rest of us, and whether it's food, whether it's addiction of another type, whether it's depression, poor self-image, uh, and all the things that we do to remedy that, uh, this is universal. It passes through uh, every national uh, uh, boundary, every culture, 
People have issues. We all have issues. We've been broken. I want you to, for a moment, to look at the congregation here and those that are watching on live stream and share with them why they need to ask Jesus Christ into their heart. Hmm. Well, Jesus is really the starting point. As you said earlier, uh, there's no one that knows us like God. And so there's something inherently in all of us that we want to know who we are. We want to know what we're called to do on this earth. We all have a purpose. And the world teaches us to look outside and try to find our purpose. But the truth is, our purpose is hidden in Christ. So the more we know who God is, the more he reveals to us who we are. And as I also stated, we can't really figure out how to find freedom on our own. Freedom is in God. So really, the beginning of life, the beginning of wholeness, the beginning of destiny, purpose, uh, passion, freedom, peace, all of that starts with knowing Christ. And it's not religiosity. It's not this uptight, you know, thing that we might think it is, this legalistic, controlling relationship. It's really based on uh, love and God introducing us to us. You know, we learn about him, and then he also teaches us about who we are. So we have a before and an af after. Very much so. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, with all the success you had, which of the two would you choose to live? Your before or your well, after? Well, that is just an obvious answer. You know, I do believe that God, he loves us to be successful. Right. There's nothing wrong with uh, making money and having beautiful things on earth. But, you know, money is actually the lowest form of prosperity. You know, to prosper means to be well emotionally, to be well spiritually, to be well relationally, to be well in our bodies, to be well financially. But if you're well financially and you're suffering in your health, you're suffering in your emotions, you're not prospering. Yeah, absolutely. So I believe God wants us to be true that success, so not sense. just success in the world, but true success. And absolutely. that's what I was going after. I said, when I come into God, I want real success, not just to be making money or be on TV, yeah. but I want to lay my head down at night and have peace. I want to walk in purpose. I want a life that impacts other lives. Awesome. Good so, girl. Preach it, girl. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Robia Scott. Thank you, guys. I want to take this moment to invite you. If you have never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, whether you're sitting here in these seats or watching right now via live stream, you are very important. You are so important that God specifically says that he loved this hurting, messed up world so much that he became flesh, dwelt among us, was rejected, was despised, was cursed, and not understood. And he became everything you and I go through in life. So that by believing in him, God's scapegoat, he came to be the curse so you and I could be set free from the curse. Friend, this isn't about getting all religious. In fact, if I could give you a word of advice, don't get religious. <laughs> it's the worst thing you could do. Just be real. Be normal. But get to know God by knowing Jesus Christ. When you ask Jesus Christ into your heart, 
It's not about signing on to a church. It's important to go and get teaching and fellowship and to be fed. But it's about saying, okay, God, I realize there are things in me that need help. There are things in me that are broken. Jesus, you're God's answer. He loved the world so much he sent you. And so I'm asking you to come into my heart. I'm going to ask everyone to stand with me right now, right across this auditorium. Rubia, come with me as we come down here and just get more intimate with the folk here today. I don't know what brought you out to grace and faith this morning. I don't know how you heard about it. Or if it's just a coincidence, you were driving by, you felt you should come, and today we happen to have Robia Scott with us. But I do want to assure you of this truth. God had your number before you ever drove onto this property. God's been wooing you. God's been calling you. God wants you. Friend, I want to tell you that everything your life is, it can be so much better when we let Jesus Christ come inside. Religion can't do that. A creed, a doctrine isn't going to do that for you. But having the living Christ, His Spirit speaking and talking, reasoning with you, healing things that have been broken and hurt. The change he makes, he makes best from the inside. We never change till the change happens on the inside. Jesus said this, you must, you must. There's one must. He was talking to a religious leader in his nation teacher of the law and he said you must be born again that's not a brand of Christianity some people want to you know just relegate it to oh that's a type of Christianity no Jesus said there's one type you must be born again you see every one of us were born into the first Adam and most of us are like the rest of us. We bear the likeness of a broken soul. We bear the likeness of the first man and the first woman. And we carry in us their DNA of brokenness. But Jesus Christ came as the last Adam so that supernaturally, spiritually, you could be born a second time and rather than being born under the curse of that natural DNA and that spiritual DNA, you can inherit God's supernatural DNA. Amen. You're born again. Peter says we become partakers of a divine nature. You must be born again. Religion can't get you born again. But you, you, asking Jesus Christ into your heart, you saying, okay, I surrender. Come into my heart. That is the only thing that can take you from where you are to where God really wants you to be. 
while every eye is closed. If you have never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, I want to give you this opportunity right now to invite Jesus into your heart. If you're ready to do that, put your hand up right across this auditorium. Folk, put that hand up. Thank you, ma'am. I see that hand. Thank you for that. Others, raise your hand and say, I want to ask Jesus Christ to come into my heart today. I want to know that he lives in me. Thank you. Thank you. Would you just very respectfully, very gently turn to somebody next to you and just say, hey, do you know Jesus? Would you like to know Jesus? Have you ever asked Jesus Christ in your heart? As some of my workers come down the front, if you've raised your hand or if you've just decided that you want to ask Jesus into your life, come on, step out of the aisle, come on down the front right now, and we want to pray with you. So if you've raised your hand, I want to pray with you right now. Come on. Good girl. Come on, give them a big hand. Thank you. God bless you. I am proud of you. Good girl. Why don't, why don't you come and stand with her, Kathy? Come and stand with your friend here. Awesome. Good girl. What's your name? Sylvia. God bless you. I have a cousin named Sylvia. You're, you're, you're my blood. <laughs> Good girl. Give me a hug. God bless you. There you go. Listen. God loves you. Yeah, he really does. I want everyone to close your eyes right across this auditorium and repeat after me. You know what? Just before you do, the Spirit of God, I just, I'm sorry, I have to stop. I just sense in my heart, there are a couple of folk you haven't responded. I'm not just saying that. I, I just feel in my heart, there's a couple that couple of you haven't responded and God's saying I, I got kids here that are lost and I want them I, I'm not trying to add you to my church and I'm not trying to embarrass you this is not part of the script not that there was really a script but guys I, I, I am deliberately stopping because I felt the spirit of God put me on pause if you haven't done this wow you need to do this I don't believe in scare tactics. I don't believe in trying to manipulate people. And please forgive me if that's how you perceive this right now. But in the name of Jesus, Father, I pray over those persons that have been resisting. Father, I see the enemy wanting to sift them as wheat. In Jesus' name, I rebuke the destroyer of our souls. I pray right now, Father, in Jesus' name, set them free. Set them free. In Jesus' name. Who else, before I, I pray, who else, if you haven't raised your hand, but you're ready to do that, would like to ask Jesus Christ into your heart. Come on. Don't be afraid. Don't be shy. This room is filled with people that at some point have raised their hand and accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. In fact, nobody here will look down their nose at you. They'll cheer you. They will applaud you because this is the single best thing that you can do. Amen. All right. I believe you're there, so 
maybe afterwards you could come and talk to me. Come and see me privately. But right now, everyone, close your eyes. We're going to pray. Repeat this prayer after me. And if you are that person that the Spirit of God is telling me about, especially, repeat this prayer under your breath right now. Dear God, I believe you love me. And I thank you for Jesus Christ. Jesus, I believe you are God. And you died on that cross. Because you love me. I invite you to set me free. To heal me on the inside. Jesus Christ, come into my heart and into my life right now. I need you. I want you. And I accept you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise. Shoot to God.